Well, if you are here and you have your copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do, if you will take it and turn to the book of Hebrews, we are going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, we had a, uh, a men-led service uh, where the men did everything that the women just did, and we preached on uh, what it means to be a real man or characteristics of a real man. And so we're going to do the same thing today, except for in reverse. Uh, I'm going to preach to you, believe it or not, on characteristics of a real woman. And so, ready or not, here it comes. Uh, I thought that I would be a little more comfortable preaching this topic, but um, this is probably one of the most uncomfortable messages uh, going into it, just so you know that I have preached yet. But there is no one better right now to teach you how to be a real woman than the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I am merely going to reflect on what the Holy Spirit has to say and uh, make some comments. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we will get started. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for all of the women in our church who are real women, who are godly individuals, who love you with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. Father, I thank you for the gifts and the abilities that you've given them. Father, I also thank you for the long-suffering that you've given them to be able to endure husbands such as us. Father, we pray that your word would be spoken this morning. I pray that you would use me uh, to feed your people. And Father, I pray that, uh, that our women who are already real women would be stronger. And Father, I pray for those uh, who may be new believers in Christ, that this would help to push them further along that journey into what it means to be a real woman and a real follower of Christ. And so we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, we are in the book of Hebrews, and I want to start by telling you the same thing that I told you about the men. I told you that real men live their lives in such a way that they inspire the men around them to be better men. And the same thing is true of women. Real women live their lives in such a way that the women that they're surrounded by are pushed forward to be better women just by being around a real woman. And so if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that's where we're going to start. And Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the first characteristic of a real woman is the exact same characteristic of a real man. And that is they cast aside every encumbrance and every sin which entangles them. And they run the race that Christ has set for them. Now, I told you before, this word encumbrance, if you looked it up in a thesaurus, it would say hindrance, obstruction, obstacle, impediment, constraint, Handicap, inconvenience, nuisance, disadvantage, or drawback. And so a real woman sets all of those things aside. Any disadvantage that she may have, she sets it aside. And she focuses her eyes on Christ. And she sets aside sin. And she runs the race that Christ has set before her. And so, uh, same thing that I said with the men. Real women do not make excuses. 
But they take God at his word and they set aside everything that could entangle them as a woman striving to be godly. They set it aside and they deal with the sin in their life and they seek forgiveness for their sin. And then they move on fresh and anew. And then it says also that they fix, excuse me, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross. And so women, I'm not spending much time here because we're going to move on, but exactly like the men, if you're going to be a real woman, no excuses, no hindrances, set aside sin and fix your eyes on Christ and nothing else matters but following after Christ. And a real man and a real woman are going to go wherever, whenever Christ calls them to go there. Because their eyes are fixed on him. And they're not worried about any consequences that may come from following after Christ. And so they run the race that God has set before them. On to number two. Over to the book of Ephesians chapter five. And just like we talked about last week, um, women, when we were addressing the men, there were all sorts of things that the men could glean from, from taking a look at their lives. Excuse me. There's all, all sorts of things that the women could glean from pushing the men to be better men. In the same way, men, there are all sorts of things that you can glean from pushing the women to be better women, more Christ-like women. And so I hope what you realize when we, when we cover this second one, that the women being real women is highly dependent upon your being a real man. And so here we are in Ephesians chapter 5, and we are in verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water, with the word, that he might present to himself, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. And then in verse 33, nevertheless, each individual among you is also Excuse me, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. And so, ladies, if you want to be a real woman, in accordance with God's word, you have to submit to and respect your husband. Now, the way that a woman submits to and respects her own husband is the exact same manner that the church is going to submit to and respect Christ. Now, when I come to church and as I lead our church, this is not a burdensome thing at all. I don't come to church on a Sunday morning and go, oh, I have to submit to Christ. No, I have to do all of these things that Christ is asking me to do. Christ is such a, such a un, un, unfitting master. No, 
Christ loves me and Christ died for me. And husbands, you are to love your wives the exact same way that we feel Christ loves us and cared for us. And in doing that, wives, your submission is more of a willful response than it is a a begrudging attitude. Women, you should be free to relax and be comfortable in submitting to your husbands. And husbands, you should be leading in such a way that this submission to your leadership is an easy, pleasant thing for them to do. Does that make sense? This is not a tyrannical rule, but this is more of a man being who he needs to be in Christ. And that frees up his lady to be secure in Christ and to be secure in the leadership of her husband. And when that happens, ladies, you are on a path to experiencing what it means to be a real woman in Christ. Now... For the sake of time, we're going to move on because there's a lot of other good ones. But we can talk about this more Wednesday night again if you're interested. Now let's go over to Proverbs 31. So while you're turning over to Proverbs 31, we have real women run the race that God has set before them. They throw off excuses. They throw off sin. They run the race that Christ has for them. Real women... Submit to their husbands and respect their husbands. Proverbs 31, I'm going to read 10 through the end. And I'm going to make a few brief comments along the way. But I think you're going to find this incredibly encouraging, women. Chapter 31, verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Now, in commenting, I hope that none of you will ever hear a sexist or arrogant or chauvinistic tone in my voice. I hope that you hear me saying that, ladies, when you serve in your capacity as godly women, that this is true of you. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. I think that men, by God's given authority, are to be the head of the church. Men are to be out in front and they're to be leading and they're to be taking Christ's banner and running with it. Taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But with men being the head and leading, oftentimes in the church, women are the very backbone of the church. And women play an essential role in the church. And so please don't hear any of this as belittling. But hear this, is that if you are here and you are a godly woman, you're worth to me and to your husband and to Christ is far above jewels. And we do not take you for granted. But we recognize that while men and women are equal in the sight, in the sight of God, we both as men and women have very different roles that we play. And that's what we're focusing on now. And so verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. And so she's an enterprising woman. She's not afraid of of looking to the outside to bring in food. She's like a merchant ship. She's She's... She's able to, I hope you know what I mean by enterprising, the, 
the she's not locked to the house, but she's able to do other things as well. It says she rises while it's still night. This woman who is more valuable than fine jewels is not a lazy woman. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. And so she's a worker also. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. That's a staff for holding wool. And her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. And she stretches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. And so she's put in the hard work to endure the storm. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. And so this Proverbs 31 woman is not a humble woman in a old hand-me-down apron. But this is a woman who has worked hard and she's been diligent and she has nice things because of the work of her hands. So she has worked and she has provided for her family and she's also provided for herself also. This is not belittling at all. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And so you will find no better God-given description of a godly woman than this. Now, you have probably heard it said before in a very chauvinistic way. And don't hear me. I'm going to say what it is, but don't hear me saying just that. I'm going to expound on it. You have heard that it said that sometimes people say a woman's place is in the home. And if you're like me, that has never set real well. It sounds a bit degrading, like that women are supposed to stay home and that's it. And I disagree with that completely. But I think from this text, you can get something close to that, which is a lot more freeing. I think from this text, you can get that a woman's responsibility is the home. That the woman is not to be locked in the house, and that's the only thing she worries about. But that women bear the primary responsibility for the house. And now when I say the house, I'm not just talking about cooking and cleaning and things like that. I'm talking about things that go on in the house. Women bear much of the responsibility. And so when it comes to raising children, women, you are responsible. When it comes to taking good care. Now listen, I'm not talking about just making money so that your family can have things. There is a way when I say take care you know as well as I do that women can take care of somebody much more than any man can take care of somebody. Let me ask you this. If you leave these doors and you catch a flu bug and you start throwing up and everything else that comes with the flu, do you want me to come take care of you or do you want a lady in the church to come take care of you? 
I'm probably the last person that you want to see on your doorstep while you're throwing up, even if I have soup in my hand. And so you know what I mean when I say that women have the ability to take care of the house like nobody else can. Hopefully you remember a grandfather who was a strong man who provided for his family, but hopefully you also remember that grandmother who took care of the house. And when you walked into grandpa's house, it was a comfortable place to go. You knew that it was protected by grandpa and you knew that grandma was going to make that house a home. And women, that is your responsibility. And so this passage frees you up. I'm not going the the feministic route that the world has gone, but this frees you up to do all sorts of things outside the home. But listen, whether you choose to work, whether you choose to be a full-time homemaker, you cannot delegate women your responsibility for the home. I think it's your husband's role to provide and to buy a house Or make sure you have a safe place to rest at night. But women, it is your job by God to make sure that that place is a home. It's a good place to raise your children. And it's a place where your husband can come home from providing, doing his God-given role, and he can find rest. And sometimes that's not popular. But... I will tell you that people who strive to do that, families that strive to do that, women that strive to do this for their homes are the most content and rested in Christ. And so the scripture always says all kinds of things that we go, "Mm, you know, that is completely contradictory to what culture would tell me. But I promise you, if you will try it, you will find that it works because God's word works always brings people joy and contentment when they live out God's principles. And so women, there's all sorts of good things that you can do. I want you to see a couple principles from here. Verse 25. And so if you're going to be a real woman, you're going to exemplify many of these traits. But number three, being a real woman, if you're going to be a real woman, you're going to be exhausted. It is not easy to be a woman in today's age. Not easy at all. I have a book on my bookshelf that says, uh, I don't remember the number, but it says, let's say, 10 or 12 things that women wish pastors knew. And do you know what the number one thing that women's wish that women wish pastors knew? I bought the book because I had no idea what you as women wish that I knew. The opening line of the book says, Pastor, we're exhausted. And if you're going to be the type of woman in Proverbs 31... You are going to go to bed absolutely exhausted when you finish your day. Because it is not easy to keep a house and to keep a home and then to do other things that you like to do on top of it. Listen, when I had a son that went into the hospital with appendicitis, the hardest part of my son having appendicitis was keeping up with the other two at home by myself. And so even though my son came home from the hospital sick still with an appendix that had been taken out, when my wife came home, it was like vacation. Because that's the closest I've ever been to being a woman, hopefully you know that, is keeping up with the children and keeping our house a home. And women, I recognize, and your husband should recognize, if they don't, go on a women's retreat and they will. We recognize that your job is exhausting. 
real women, while they are exhausted from keeping up with all of the things that, that God has on their plate, while they're keeping up with making their house a home and trying to raise godly children, in the midst of that, real women step up to the plate, and even though they're exhausted, they carry on with grace and strength. They're not wrecking balls as a result of being exhausted. But they're women who are still full of grace. And they carry on with a sense of peace. And that's what separates some women from being real women. Is that these women realize that even though they're exhausted, even though sometimes it would be easy to throw their hands up in the air and quit, they realize that it is all worth it. That when your children grow up, you have created a place where they are anxious to come back home and visit. And you have created a home for them, not just somewhere for them to lay their head. And women realize that that means everything. Because real women realize that they're going to be exhausted if they're going to be what God has called them to do. They're going to be what God has called them to be. And real women, those real women realize that you only have about the first 15 years of your child's life to build what you want to build. Listen, when I was a youth pastor, I would call all of the parents of fifth graders together before they came into the youth ministry, and I would look them in the eyes and I would tell them, you probably only have three years left with your child before they stop listening to you. Because many a times around ninth grade, they will listen and do what you say sometimes, but your influence is way less the older and older they get. Moms, you have got to build in your children what you want them to have when you're young. And listen, it is not easy because when you are young, that is when you are your poorest, okay? You haven't gotten to where you want to be as a family in the workforce often. And so it means if you want to spend more time with your family, it often means sacrificing things that are very, very important. And listen, it is better to drive two old cars And it's better not to have that extra job and to raise godly children than it is to have all of those toys and lose your kids. And so just keep that in mind. I never said it was easy. I'm just saying that when you look back, you'll never regret it. I've never gone to anyone as they're dying and they said, I wish I worked more and I wish I earned more money. They always say they wish they spent more time with their kids and building their family and quality time is what people value at the end of their life much more than trinkets. And so qualities of a, of a real woman, a real woman in light of Proverbs 31 is an absolute delight to be around. A real woman, if you've ever met one, absolutely lights up a room when she walks into it. Not because of the way that she looks, but because of who she is. You ever been in a room and a real lady walks in and the whole room starts to glow or starts to change? Ever been there? Don't look at me like I'm a pervert. Give me a smile or two, okay? People know when godly women are around, okay? And people know when ungodly women are around because the exact opposite thing happens to the room. It's possible to light up a room and it's possible to bring darkness and gloom into a room also. 
And so women who are gossipers and slanders, unlike Psalm Proverbs 31, do have the exact opposite effect. And so real women are a delight to be around, and they have a way of brightening up any situation that they're around. Now we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just as the sermon with the men got uncomfortable, I'll give you a prefatory comment. This is about to get uncomfortable also. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says this. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. That's just so that we're not we're making sure we're all on the same sheet of music. This is the marital duty of sex. The wife, verse four, does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so the principle here given by Paul is that women, your bodies do not belong to you. When you're married, they belong to your husband. And husbands, your bodies do not belong to you once you get married. It belongs to your wife. And so hopefully what you see here is a mutual, you each belong to each other. And so the fourth principle of being a real woman is that real women do not deprive their husbands of sex in order to gain the things that they want. And this is something that happens very, very frequently, I'm afraid, sometimes in Christian circles. But as far as the world is concerned, oftentimes women use sex in order to get the things that they want from their spouse. And this is, as a Christian principle, this could not be more ungodly. And so... Women, your bodies belong to your husbands, and husbands, your bodies belong to your spouse. And so what this means is it doesn't just mean that one spouse gets whatever they want, whenever they want. What this means is that both of you with your bodies should be serving each other. And so what this means is that men, you probably don't have the right to every single hour of every single day have whatever you want with your wife's body. And what this means for the women is that women, every time that you go to bed, you don't always have a headache or a stomach ache. Loosen up, gang. It's in the Bible. Okay? So, told you it was going to get uncomfortable. Along those lines, two comments. Many a times when couples have problems in their relationship, sex can be a factor as to where their relationship is going. Very, very frequently, very infrequently, do you find a couple going through X, Y, or Z, and they have a very healthy sex life, okay? Now listen, if you're uncomfortable... If I don't talk about it from a Christian viewpoint, who is going to talk about it? Okay? Nobody. There, people are only going to hear a very uh, liberal idea of all of these views. And so this is all grounded in God's word. Hopefully you realize that. And so a lot of times when it comes to marriage, you can put your finger on where the marriage is when you take a look and when you examine someone's life together. 
Okay, I'm going to try to stop using the word so much because the kids are here. I don't want, don't want you to have too awkward of a lunch, okay? So I'm a bit sympathetic to you. And so that is a gauge for where your marriage is because your bodies don't belong to you. They belong to each other. And so you can see from that one act how each individual in the couple is serving the other. And so, on the contrary to what is popular in withholding certain things from your significant other in order to get what you want, can I offer a suggestion? Real women don't nag their husbands, but if you want to maybe get something from your husband, instead of saying, if you do this, then I'll do this, I think you stand a much better chance of getting that picture hung in the living room if you put something on that boy early, and then as a result of that, you ask him for something. As opposed to nagging him about something and then giving him something as a result of he doing what you want him to do. Amen? Now, you men are quiet and you're slipping down in your seats. But you know what I told you is a, is a real truth and it's also a scriptural truth. And so you are letting me down, men. And I'm going to let you know it at the men's breakfast next time we have one. Now listen... On the same note, uh, in this whole conversation of sexuality, when real women don't withhold from their husbands, real women also don't look outside of their marriage for fulfillment. And so what this means is that when movies like Magic Mike 2 come out, when movies and books like Fifty Shades of Grey come out, real women don't pursue those things. Those things are exactly the same as pornography is for a man. Those things well up dreams and fantasies inside of you. And real women do not look for fantasies to be fulfilled on a movie screen or in the pages of a book. In the exact same way that real men don't look to computer screens and TV screens and magazines for fulfillment also. I've told you before and I will tell you again. You come up as a married individual... With your own dreams and fantasies. And within the context of marriage, you live that out underneath of your roof and in your own bedroom. Don't outsource all of those things to other people. And don't sell out to other people's dreams and visions. It is your responsibility, men, and your responsibility, women, to make your marriage into what you want it to be. Don't go rob somebody else of what they have. You craft what you have into what it needs to be and what you want it to be. And now we'll move on. Amen? All right. That's the most I've ever gotten. Now, women. Real women. And this is my last and my final point. Real women are not held back by Scripture. This book, Women, does not hold you back from your dreams and your ambitions. You can be, as long as it's godly, whatever you want to be and be okay within the context of this book. Someone asked a phenomenal question when I was talking about women's roles in the church and things like that. They asked, what about a woman in the workplace? What about a woman who is out in the real world and she's working nine to five just like everybody else? Can she have a place of leadership above a man? 100% yes. This book gives very clear-cut instructions for how we are to govern the church. But this book also sets women free when they're doing other things. If a woman can be responsible for her home 
and maintain a good home, she is freed up to be anything and everything else she wants to be. And I'll give you an illustration. Uh, There's a lady who ran for vice president a while back. She was with John McCain on the ticket, Sarah Palin. If Sarah Palin ran for president and she was the most qualified individual running for president, I would have no problem voting for a woman to be president of, of the strongest nation in the world, America. And I wanted to tell you that because I want you to know that I do not devalue or belittle women in any way, shape, or form. Now, if Sarah Palin ever became president, I think that she would face a couple struggles along the way. I think that it would be difficult to be president and still submit to your husband and still keep a good home. But if she could, and that's on her, right? I'm not to be her judge or jury. If she could do those things, fulfill her God-given role as, as a woman... As a wife of a husband, she could be absolutely anything that she wants to be. And this book doesn't hinder her. And we as Christians don't hinder her one bit. And so, women, if you're in the workforce and you have an opportunity to be CEO of your company or to be the leader of your company, and you can still be a godly woman according to Psalm or Proverbs 31 and the other things we covered, you do it. It does not hold you back at all. Okay, and so I don't want you to think that anything we're saying is is limiting or belittling women. But women, I think what you'll find is that when we take an honest assessment, if your husband would be the man that God has called him to be. And you were freed up to be the woman that God wants you to be. I think that's where you and I know that's where you would find the most satisfaction. And so having said all those things, I think it's a good time to close. And so let's go Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for women. Lord, I thank you especially uh, for the woman that I married. I thank you for all of the great things that you've put in our life as a result of her. And Father, I thank you for the rest of the women in the church. And I pray that they would be an object of grace. And I pray that they would bring nothing but joy and honor to their homes. God, I pray that you would give them the freedom to be the women that God, you've called them to be. God, I pray that they would be the type of women who love their husbands so much and they do not begrudgingly do any of these things, but they're able to do them out of a joyful heart. And Father, I pray also for for us as men. I pray that we would be men who you would make us capable of loving our wives so much that they lovingly serve us and follow us. And Father, I pray that this mystery, that this strange thing that we're talking about, I pray that the world around us would see it. I pray they would see how great it works. I pray they would see the joy and fulfillment that we get out of it as Christ followers. And I pray that they would desire the same things that we have and that they would hear of the great news of your son and the death, burial, and resurrection of him. And I pray that they would be saved as a result of our marriages and as a result of the way that we as men conduct ourselves and as the way that the women are conducting themselves as well. And so, Father, help us and forgive us where we fail you. Help us to be the men and the women that you've called us to be. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would stand for our hymn of invitation. It's number 367. 
when I kind of think through the week and how the uh, Sunday service is going to go, uh, this was not one of those sermons where I thought people would be rushing to the altar, just so you know. And so uh, I hope that um, uh, if you have any questions or concerns as to anything that we talked about, that you would know that I am always free uh, to talk with you about absolutely anything uh, that you would like to talk further about. Uh, the area that we talked about today is an area that doesn't get uh, a lot of guidance from churches for godly families and for godly women. And so if it seemed different than most, uh, it's because there's not a lot of it out there. And I feel like if we as men and women of the church aren't leading in this area, then we're going to go follow whatever TV show gets cut on, and that's going to be the norm, as opposed to creating uh, a biblical family. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Don't forget that our men's meeting, the Baptist men's event, is canceled for this Tuesday night, and it's going to be Thursday night instead. Don't forget about that. Jack Powell, would you close us in prayer?